Good morning, church. If you want to open your Bibles with me to the book of Isaiah this morning, Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, happy Palm Sunday. These are interesting times in the life of our country and our church, and I'm so grateful to be worshiping with thousands of people, not just in our Broken Arrow campus, in our Coweta campus, but also our new online campus. I think before we study the text this morning, I want to, one, I want to give you an opportunity to participate in a very unique online service next week. We have a good Friday service coming that we want you to be a part of. We are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper online at 6.30 and 7.30 on Good Friday, April the 10th. So we want to give you time right now to, to go to the stores and get you some crackers and get you some grape juice. And for those who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we would love for you to participate with us. For those who are going to accept Christ today and have a chance to celebrate your first Lord's Supper online with us, we praise God. I also want to invite you to our Easter services next Sunday as we'll be celebrating Easter Sunday together at 8 a.m., 9.15, 10.45, noon, and 5.30. With that in mind, the one thing I want to talk to you about today is that God is forever for us through Jesus Christ. Right now, in the middle of this crisis, you have two things to focus on. Either one, you can focus on all of these things that are against you, or you can focus on God is for you. In fact, psychologists tell us that if you will, in a very diligent manner, focus on the positive aspects of any situation— Biblically, it is the truth that God is for us through Jesus Christ, that literally that can impact not just your mind, but your entire mental health and thus your physical health. So right now, for instance, you can see things one or two ways. If you're playing board games and card games with your kids, you can either play one to, to win or you can play not to lose. And hopefully you're playing like Christ for the overall health of your family. Speaking of health, I, I tell Bryn at our dinner table all the time, it's not that I'm against vegetables, it's just that I'm trying to leave more room for ice cream. You see how that can impact your life? Now spiritually, Isaiah in Isaiah 9-6 is gonna remind us that if you focus on that God is for you, it won't matter who or what is against you. God is forever for us through Jesus Christ. Now, when we come to the book of Isaiah, we got to remind ourselves that this is not just any minuscule book in the major and minor prophets. In fact, Isaiah, whose name means the Lord is salvation, was a prince of prophets. In fact, did you realize that the book of Isaiah is alluded to in the New Testament 400 separate times? Isaiah mentions literally the exalted Messiah, Jesus Christ himself, that some biblical commentators have called this work, Isaiah, the fifth gospel. And we're reminded in Isaiah 9-6 that even though in 700 BC Judah has been attacked and as a result the Assyrians will come and Israel will fall, Isaiah is speaking to a godly remnant and he gives a prophecy and a birth announcement that in, despite this darkness that they're in, God will establish his righteous king in an everlasting kingdom, even out of the darkness. There is not one syllable in this verse on what we are to do, but rather what Jesus is committed to do for us. God is forever for us through Jesus Christ. Why don't we study in depthly this morning? Isaiah 9, 6. And your Bible says this, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he will, shall be called Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. 
Isaiah reminds us that God's answer to calamity is seen in the coming of a real, unique, royal male child. For to us a child is born, he says. Now, who is this child? Now, historically, some think this refers to kings Hezekiah or Josiah. But it is evident within the content and context of Isaiah 9-6 that this child could only be completely realized, not in an earthly king, but in a heavenly king. Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah, the Son of God, who was both fully human and fully divine. In fact, previously, Isaiah had said in Isaiah 7:14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. I know so many of us in this crazy, crazy time, we look to these passages as, is only available and applicable to one season of our life. These are Christmas passages, but you and I both know we, we need a little, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And what you're gonna find is that this truth is not just applicable in one season of your life, but in all areas of your life because God is forever for us through Jesus Christ. Theologically, Isaiah is detailing to us the profound impact of the incarnation, the greatest miracle ever in all of history is the joining together of God and man. Now, please know Isaiah is stating that Jesus Christ was not a man who became God, but was rather God who became a man. He says, for to us a child is born, a son is given. Now, theologically, this is so important. As renowned theologian Ron Rhodes said, if Christ the Redeemer had been only God, he could not have died, since God by his nature cannot die. It was only as a man that Christ could represent humanity and die. As God, however, Christ's death had infinite value, sufficient to supply redemption for the sins of all of mankind. Clearly then, God had to be both God and man to secure man's salvation. Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Christ, says a child is born and a son is given. Isaiah emphasizes the intent of God and the deity of Christ. As a child, Jesus was born. As the son of God, he was given. Here's Isaiah's point. You are worth God's son to God. God knew it would be impossible for you to, even in your best come to him. And so God came for you through his son, Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin, as Isaiah the prophet says in Isaiah 14, born fully man, but he was also fully God. Jesus, as the true son of God, is God's gift to those who place their full faith and trust in him. God gave his best for you and to you. So if you're here this morning and you're overwhelmed by restlessness, can't stop thinking, can't 
stop wondering about the future, can't stop thinking of how much longer is this going to last. May you find love and hope and grace in Jesus Christ, God's Son. And may he replace your restlessness with his rest. Some of you, you're overwhelmed by hopelessness. You've, you've heard news that a friend or a coworker or maybe someone even in your family has been, a, is, has been infected with COVID-19. May you remind yourself that we have a God of all hope. And may the certainty of a guaranteed future with him, may that hope overwhelm any hopelessness. I think thirdly, may, may those of us who were just we're in a dry time and a dry season, and you're empty, may you allow God's son to overflow that emptiness with the living water that will never cease. He is a child who was born and a son who was given. God is forever for us through Jesus Christ. And Isaiah gives four names and characteristics of Jesus. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Literally, one will only call him these names. Jesus isn't just any of these names. He's all of these names. He is a wonderful counselor. Pointedly, he is a wonder of counsel. Isaiah here gives the highest description of the Messiah given anywhere else in the entire Old Testament. He sums up Christ's character and work. Isaiah combines the idea of someone extraordinary with the skills of someone who transcends all of humanity in giving wise and knowledgeable counsel. Jesus truly is wonderful. Now, think about this. Where do you go then when you need to know? I mean, if there's something that you need to know in your life, where, where do you go first? Now, most Americans, they go to Google. In fact, did you realize that 1.7 billion people a day Google something on Google three to four times a day? We gotta remind ourselves, no, it is Jesus who's our wonderful counselor. We must first go to Jesus before we go to Google. What about Siri? Did you realize that 111.8 million people in America go to Siri multiple times a month? 111 million of us. Instead of seeking the Holy Spirit, we're going first to Siri. We've gotta remind ourselves that no, it is Jesus alone who's our wonderful counselor. What about Facebook? 2.5 billion people around the world are on Facebook. Are you going to Facebook or are you putting your face in this book? It is Jesus alone who is our wonderful counselor. Jesus knows everything about you and his word is the best counsel for you. There is literally a strategic process that God, when you have something that you need counsel for, that God wants you to go to every single time. One, it is the word of God, it is the son of God, and it's the people of God. If you've got something in your life right now that you need counsel, God says, look, come to my word, seek me. Secondly, then look at my son. What did Jesus do in the gospels? And then act accordingly. And then finally, surround yourself with godly counsel, the people of God who know you and love you and can tell you not just what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. Let me practically give you two, two things to consider when doing this. One, seek Jesus first and most. 
So in any situation that you need counsel, seek Jesus first, and then also continue to seek him most. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. That we are to prioritize and as a means of focus, focus on Jesus and his kingdom first. Why? Because what you focus on has you. And so you find Jesus Christ in his word. And so when you open the Bible, the word of God, it will lead you naturally to the son of God. And then you try to align your path and your life towards Jesus's actions. Jesus is not just a way of life. He is the way of life. Finally, confirm what the Lord has put on your heart and what is resting in your mind with the people of God. Hey, does this, does this make sense? Does this seem wise? Is this in alignment to God's word? Is this in fulfillment and bringing glory to God's son? Seek Jesus first and most. Secondly, and take your burdens to Jesus and trust his plan. You know, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is preaching and teaching and he is, he's reminding people who are weighed down and burdened by life to, to come to him. And he says in Matthew 11, verses 29 through 30, he says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he uses this, an agrarian term of one, this device that was strapped to an ox. And that, that ox, you'd have one ox on one side and one ox on the other. And literally, as you would plow a field, they would go together. And if one went right, the other one had to go right. And if one went left, the other one had to go left. And Jesus took that same imagery to himself. Stop taking these burdens. Stop taking these worries and give them to Jesus Christ. And remind yourself that God is forever for you through Jesus Christ. And he desires to work in and through you by his Holy Spirit for his glory. And so whatever it is, burden you right now, write it down. Point an arrow straight to Jesus and leave it there. God, I'm placing this right here and I'm going to trust your plan. That God, you're not just for me today. You're not just for me tomorrow. You are forever for me through Jesus Christ. You see, God knows not just what you need, but who you need. And Jesus alone is your soul satisfier, your burden lifter, and your life giver. He is a wonderful, wonderful counselor. Secondly, he's also mighty God. Literally, God, the mighty warrior here in the Hebrew. Jesus is identified with God in the closest way possible as no other character in the entire Old Testament shares God's name or power. Jesus doesn't just give you sound advice, but empowers you to a new life. At the cross, Jesus exemplified God's true might by annihilating sin and death, the two greatest foes that you and I will ever be exposed to. Jesus already took care of those things. And so that is why we are to come to him, not just with some things in our life, but with all things in our life. And the wonderful counsel that he provides us, he then graciously, through the power of the Holy Spirit, empowers our life to do exactly what he has called us to do. He is the mighty warrior of God. He is our mighty God fighting in and through and for us now and forever. You say, well, what does it look like in our daily life? Well, Paul says it well. 
when he says in Colossians 1.17, and he, being Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You see, Jesus is not just a good moral teacher. Jesus is not just a philanthropist. Jesus is God. Christ the Lord has always existed before the universe was even created. Paul says he already was as God. He was before all things. Consequently, Jesus Christ created all of creation from absolutely nothing and thus is supreme over all things. Now think about this in your life. If Jesus is out in front of it, then he can get you through it. You see, whatever it is, whatever it is that God has entrusted you with to be a good steward of, whatever this obstacle is, whatever this problem is, whatever this dilemma is, you've got to remind yourself that you have a wonderful counselor, a mighty God who is for you right now in Jesus Christ and is desiring to work in and through you because he's been before all things. He has been there before. Whatever it is, Jesus is out in front of it. He also is going to empower you to get through it. I think sometimes in Christianity, we, we tend to simplify things with, well, you know, you'll, you'll eventually just get over this. You know what? That's not always true. In fact, you find throughout the Bible in both the Old Testament and New Testament that there were very real characters of God who had lingering difficulties, lingering circumstances that for whatever reason besides God and his goodness did not immediately alleviate. However, God always worked through them. They, they may not have gotten over it, but you can get through it. And that's why Paul says, in him all things are held together. It's an adhesive term. It means to bind once and for all. Jesus not only created the entire universe, but he continually sustains it. All of creation would not exist, exist if not for Jesus' creative power and sustaining power. And you have something right now in your life that reminds you of that truth every single day. In fact, you have a protein molecule that is holding you together as part of an extracellular matrix in your body right now that provides support and nourishments for your cells. It's called laminin. And laminin assists in the holding together of your cells so they can flourish and that they can be Productive. You want to know what laminin looks like? Just like this. You see, scientists and medical professionals and doctors call it laminin, a protein molecule. For those of us in Christ, we call it the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, church, you will never appreciate that the cross of Jesus is for you until you realize that it was done by you that you and I seek to provide our wisdom and counsel in other things. We tend to trust ourselves or other people besides the Lord. But God is gracious enough to always love us in such a way that despite us choosing to love other things and other people more than him, God just continually loves us. And it's that love that holds us together through this season. Because why? He is a wonderful counselor. You see, you and I, we try to fight our own battles our own way. 
And when we do, we get off track and off God's path. But we find here in Christ, someone holding us together, sustaining us with the power that comes from the Holy Spirit himself. Why? Because he is a mighty God working in and through you. If we're not careful, we'll we'll try to, to literally control all aspects of our lives. And we'll try to really think what's best for our future and our family. And we'll get outside the path of God the Father. But yet we have Jesus Christ who loves us like an everlasting father and provides not only complete control, but intimate care. We also, if we're not careful, we'll try to seek our own solutions and satisfaction in things outside of ourselves. But yet God reminds us that through Jesus Christ, we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And we have a prince of peace who is ready to abide and to fight and to work in and for us and every breath and every person and every molecule of the world is held together by his grace and love. So just as laminin holds you together so you can flourish and be productive, the cross and person of Jesus Christ holds us together so that we can be flourish and productive for him and for his glory. So if you're here today and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, give your heart to him completely right now. For those of you who do have a relationship with Jesus Christ, remind yourself to abide in him because he is a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. Thirdly, he's an everlasting father. He's literally in the Hebrew, he's the father of all eternity. Now, wait a minute. You may say, I thought God was father. And he is. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Isaiah here is speaking of a kind of relationship that Jesus will have for us. One of complete control over his people and intimate care towards his people. The word Father here is a very rare word in the Old Testament. It describes here a parental guidance and affection that is seen one from love to someone else. The word everlasting is even rarer. In fact, it's never applied to any king besides the promised king of David, the Messiah that will come. Jesus functions in his love towards us as an everlasting father. Dads, do you have any idea right now the impact that you can have upon your household? The impact that your love and care, your leadership through this time of crisis can have impact upon your family. In fact, according to George Barna, a church demographer, he says in regard to the single greatest indicator of a child accepting Christ, it is not church programs. It is not a curriculum. It is simply a quality of relationship with one's father. In fact, if you study notable atheists in modernity, many different levels of education, many different upbringings, one clear common factor, none of them had a vibrant relationship with an earthly father. I'm so humbled to see this in my own life as one of the wisest men and most gracious men and most devoted followers of Christ that I have ever been exposed to was my dad. In fact, though I've had the privilege of of studying theology and and being trained by some of the, the most brightest and greatest minds in this entire hemisphere, I learned of the love and goodness of God by playing football in the backyard with my dad, 
by playing basketball in my driveway with my dad, by playing baseball in my backyard in the springtime with my dad. And while we were out there, he would say, son, who, who made the sun and who made the moon and who made the stars? And did you realize that that same God made you? Son, why is it that you love football and basketball and baseball and chocolate and steak and all these things so much? Did you realize that how much you love those things that there's a God in heaven who loves you even more? I saw him faithfully love my mom and my two younger sisters. I saw him sacrificially work his tail off in his job and place my needs and my mom's needs and my sister's needs above his own. I learned more theology through a faithful dad than any book by any professor or any theologian could have ever taught me. And dad, you have the same potential right now. Are you teaching your babies that Jesus is in control and no matter what happens to you, Jesus will always love you. Jesus loves us like an everlasting father. You see, all human king's authority is temporary. All calamities and trials are temporary. We will eventually get through this COVID-19 nightmare. But Jesus has complete control over all eternity. And his love toward you and for you is in a way so intimate of an everlasting father. There is no reason to fear then as Jesus will always be here. The psalmist says it well when he says in Psalms 103, verse 8, And the Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. That God, through his Son, Jesus Christ, loves you with an unbridled kindness. He is merciful. He seeks and pursues you with an almost an illogical favor and grace because he is gracious and he's slow to anger and he continues to pursue you with an endless resolved love. God will not stop. God will not quit. God will always be there for you because Jesus is always here in you. Hope and love and grace are found in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he will love you like a wonderful counselor and a mighty God and an everlasting father. And fourthly, he is a prince of peace. Historically, there's been over 3,000 peace treaties signed worldwide. We have tried time and time again in and of ourselves to bring peace, but only Christ rule on your life and his reign in your life will establish true peace now and forever. The word Isaiah uses here is actually the word shalom. It's, it's not just the absence of unrest, but wholeness and alignment with God's purposes in all facets of your life. Because of Jesus, our position with God is eternally secure, and our peace with God is daily sure. Isaiah says it well when he says in Isaiah 26, verse 3, and may you have perfect peace 
for those whose minds are stayed on him, on Jesus. Remember what the multitude of angels said to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verse 14 of Jesus Christ when he says, And glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Because of your position with God is eternally secure, now and forever, you can have the peace of God daily sure in your life. In other words, because I know God holds my future, I will not allow anything to take hold of me today. Seek God's prince and receive God's peace. Now, as we close it, you may be here and say, well, what, what practically does that look like in my life, specifically in light of this crisis, in light of what I'm going through? I mean, this isn't something that, that just lasted for two weeks. I mean, what if, this, what if this lasts all summer? What if this goes into the fall? What does all this mean? I don't know. Seek God's prince and receive God's peace. Let me give you four things. If you will, with your face, if you will seek God, then his peace is available to you. So I just want to give you four simple ways, very, very quickly. F-A-C-E. Number one, focus on God. Keep your focus on the Lord. Don't think about all of these things against you. Focus on the fact that God is forever for you through Jesus Christ. Secondly, then ask God for guidance. Open up your heart and thus your mind. And when you pray to the Lord, say, Lord, I'm asking specifically for your wisdom and guidance in my life. Have an upward posture of humility. Thirdly, then confirm his will in his word. Open up your Bible. Diligently seek the Lord and he shall be found. Finally, execute and trust him. Trust God who has graciously given you his son. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, desires now to work in and through you. You have a wonderful counselor. We have a mighty God. We have an everlasting Father. And we have a Prince in peace who desires to work in and through and for you now and forever. Because God's forever with us through Jesus Christ. Would you now join me in prayer? Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. And God, we're overwhelmed by, Father, your goodness and your grace towards us. Father, Lord, we thank you, God, that through your Son, you are a wonderful counselor. You are mighty God. You're an everlasting Father. And you're a Prince of Peace. Jesus, we surrender our lives and our future wholeheartedly to you. We love you, our King. Come be with us now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, happy Palm Sunday. As we now head into this week and head into probably the, the most unique Easter that we've ever experienced, may you continue to be encouraged and blessed as Jesus Christ works in and through you for his glory. Have a, have a wonderful week. I'll see you on Good Friday at 6.30 and 7.30 for a special Lord's Supper service. And then we have five opportunities to celebrate Easter at 8, 9.15, 10.45, noon, and 5.30. We'll see you then.